Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Holiday Insights Series, a new podcast series produced by Retail Touchpoints and sponsored by Salesforce. I'm Alicia Esposito, content strategist at Retail Touchpoints. Over the next few months, I'll be interviewing experts and influencers across all areas of the retail world. We'll delve into the latest customer trends and technologies and how they'll impact retailers' holiday experiences. We'll also provide some ongoing updates as the season goes on, so you can refine and optimize your strategies as we head into the new year. I'm really excited to kick things off with Melissa Gonzalez, founder and CEO of the Lioness Group and a really good friend of the RTP family. Melissa is the author of The Pop-Up Paradigm, Building Human Connections in a Digital Age, and has become a prominent voice in all things related to next-gen in-store customer experiences. So needless to say, I'm really excited to hear our thoughts on the top experience trends for the holiday season and beyond. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thank you for having me. So first things first, you have become a really critical voice, I think, on all things related to um, the convergence of the store and technology. You read a lot about um, top trends, um, top priorities for retailers, and what they really should be thinking about as they roll out technology in the store. Um, so with that in mind, what tech do you think is really top of mind this holiday season in particular? What's everyone really talking about right now? Yeah, so I think people, you see um, innovative payment uh, being a big topic in a lot of different ways. I think with the recent news you saw coming out with good housekeeping and Amazon smile codes, you know, I think people are getting more ex uh, experimental in that sense. Uh, you can scan a, a code and then it adds it to your cart, um, having frictionless payments, um, being able to kind of build that digital cart while in store. So I think that is one. But then also the true omni-channel experience of browsing online, reserving it and picking up in store, I think is really imp important. And then the whole curbside pickup. So adding efficiency to the whole process as much as possible and really utilizing physical as the experiential moment and then having it supported by the technology uh, of, of e-commerce to really make it a fluid experience. So that's pretty fascinating because I, I feel like in the past, the holiday season has always been a time where everyone's talking about these new, really innovative and out of the box um, concepts and technologies, like almost uh, aspirational. But it, right. based, on, based on the examples that you're sharing, it, it seems like retailers are prioritizing things that are a bit more realistic and I guess for lack of a better word, um, utilitarian, like more focused on tasks and taking friction out of the experience. Do, do you think retailers are learning that they have to get a bit more realistic in terms of the technologies and, and practices they implement during the holidays? I think so. I think because consumers are becoming more and more savvy of what that fluidity feels like because you have leaders in the space like like an Amazon or, you know, even Starbucks, right? That they've they've created a con consumers to be conditioned to knowing that it, it is possible for their interactions to be completely frictionless and, and on demand and in one click. And so retailers and brands are starting to prioritize that more and if you to me if you think of two key things that you have to keep in mind if you're going to drive customers in store is one they you have to deliver experience um, in, in like in a very experiential way that you can't online but you have to maintain the 
um, conveniences that we've all become accustomed to by shopping online. So you really need to be able to integrate the both in order to keep a consumer happy. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And, and you brought up bringing consumers to the store using digital and, and just kind of showing the value prop of both, which I think is is very important because if people are going to go out to the store, especially during the holidays where things are, are especially hectic um, and sometimes yeah. stressful, uh-huh. um, th- there has to be a clear value there. So, um, you know, what, what do you expect retailers to be doing or, or what do you think they should do mm-hmm. to um, use that best of digital and, you know, advertising, you know, social media course comes to mind what should they be thinking about in, in that regard to um, you know effectively bring people to the store yeah so I mean digital and social media is a huge driver of getting getting people in the store but the messaging behind it I mean events and a lot a lot of brands are investing in events and some unexpected right Walmart's hosting tons of events right and they're they're partnering with kid fluencers you know to help dictate what what the holiday gifts of the season should be so really creating community around the store whether you're a niche player or more mass market and then also exclusives you know the there's stuff that you can only get if you come into store is a great way to drive people in but to that point you you know you see brands using insta stories and teasers with um you know unexpected unveilings and limited time only and who knew moments uh, driving people's uh, piquing their interest and then driving them to want to learn more and then saying you can get that opportunity if you come in store mm-hmm. yeah it's been a pretty interesting evolution of social media i think because i know just in the past few years like when i started covering social media for retail touch points it was all surrounded around um you know, sharing sale information right. and offers through social media. And now there's there's this tipping point where retailers are beginning to focus more, like you said, on experiences, on classes, on, I, I think it was West Elm last year that had, um, you know, gave pet owners the chance to have their pets take pictures with Santa, sure. which is a bit quirky, right? But it, it kind <laughs> of makes sense. It's a huge market. It makes a ton of sense, especially in New York. I mean... That they're your pets are your children, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely been an interesting um, a- evolution as far as how retailers perceive, um, you know, social media as a-, a tool and as a tactic to drive in-store traffic. And it seems like it's it's kind of related to what we saw with pop-up stores in the early on. And of course, pop-ups are, are your, your bread and butter. You live and breathe that every day. So I'm wondering if you had any any thoughts or comments on how retailers are not only embracing pop-ups specifically, but kind of taking those best practices and principles and applying it to just their normal stores. Because I feel like there's there's that bit of convergence happening there. For sure. I mean, we've definitely, it's definitely um, a common thought process when a consumer walks into a pop-up. They're expected to be surprised and delighted now, you know? It's it's like, oh, this is a pop-up. What, what's going to be different? But now uh, brands and, and retailers are realizing, well, that's not just limited to pop-ups. The consumers would appreciate that in all stores that they walk into. And so a lot of the more permanent stores are starting to uh, weave in that thought process and figuring out not only through beautiful interior design, um, but also those those Instagrammable moments, uh, points of education, mm-hmm. and and a lot of them too. If you, I always bring up not always, but I bring up the athleisure space a lot. I think that they're very forward thinking in how they utilize their spaces to build community. They're hosting classes. Um, a lot of the times with top 
top uh, instructors in their city uh, for free and you know taking those those measures that really creates a deeper relationship with the consumer with your brand because it's not only about product anymore it's about the lifestyle that you're helping them be a part of Right, right. And although retailers are applying some of those principles to their, um, you know, typical brick and mortar footprint, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean pop ups are going away or, you know, the bubble has burst, so to speak, right? You're still seeing that it's reaching a a whole new level of growth and, and innovation in that area. Absolutely. I mean, I think it will continue to evolve. Um, And people ask all the time, are we at the pop-up peak? But I think what you're seeing is a lot of bigger unexpected brands coming in now. I think in the beginning, it was a ton of emerging, and then it was those fast-growing digital natives. And now you're seeing um, a lot of those more uh, established, more mass-market brands realizing that, well, we need to develop a human connection too. I mean, there's only so much that you can educate with online and um, you're seeing everybody. I mean, the newest uh, wave this week in the news that everybody's talking about is like Wayfair is doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've been able to shop them online forever and what do they plan to get out of stores? And, um, you know, it's a two-way thing as well. Pop-ups aren't just what you're delivering to consumers, it's what you're learning about consumers. And in pop-up environments, when you create them to be highly experiential and you have Instagrammable moments with calls to action, you're empowering a very vocal focus group that you can learn a lot of information from. So it it really provides value on both sides. Mm -hmm. That's great. And have there been any especially successful or impactful pop-ups for holidays specifically? I mean, we've seen a few different iterations over the years, but I'm wondering if there there are any that really stick out to you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are just starting to announce, so it's it's, it's, it's tricky, but I, I, am, I am intrigued by the good housekeeping one with Amazon. I think it's smart that they come join forces with them on smile codes. I think everybody's trying to figure out how to increase adoption of, of mobile payments, and I think by them partnering with some a company like Amazon that already has trust and they have a huge user base with you know Amazon Prime and all that that it's a it's a very intelligent way of integrating uh, mobile payments into their pop-up experience and kind of overcomes that hurdle of trust seamlessly I also am really intrigued in the whole toy space and everybody Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how they're going to make an impact uh, with the gap from Toys R Us even though they're probably reviving themselves with Jeffrey's toy box but I I am interested to see you know FAO Schwartz is is doing all their pop-ins at Hudson Bay's and so I I do think that um, it's going to be an interesting season of holiday pop-ups for sure great and I have to ask do you think it's too late at this point for retailers to think about or or consider implementing pop-ups this season and if so what should they be thinking about for next year and is now the time to even be thinking about it Yes, I mean, I think it's possible, uh, but it depends, you know. I mean, we usually ask for at least two to three months. We've done them in short as six weeks, but it really depends, like, what you have in place. I think if you're, um, and what you're trying to get out of the pop-up. I would never recommend launching a pop-up store in December and you're a new brand and you're looking to kind of create brand awareness. That's not the mindset of consumers at that point in the season. You know, at that point, they might go after some impulse purchases, but for the most part, they already kind of know the brands that they like and what they want and they're looking for deals. And so in that sense, it's not uh, it's not opportune timing. 
I think I think if if you could open, you know, mid November ahead of Black Friday, that's probably makes a lot more sense. And so you're definitely at that cutting point probably this week where you would have had to be in motion. Uh, it's a tricky thing though. You can't. It's hard to plan too far in advance. You might plan a year in advance saying I want to do a pop up, but there's a lot of elements of it that you wouldn't be able to put in place quite yet because landlords would never agree this far out to sign a lease with you. So mm-hmm. usually, you know, that's something that impacts timing of the two to three months out is when they'll usually agree to you, and then you know you can do some ideation a little bit before that, but um, you really wouldn't put a lot in motion uh, this far far in advance. I mean, a lot of the bigger companies out there that have um, much longer lead times are probably putting it in their their plans uh, for 2019 budget. Like we know we want to do a pop-up, but that's probably as far as the conversation could go at this point. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I I know you've spoken about the impact of creating shareable, inspiring and Instagrammable moments, right? Everyone seems to be uh, throwing that term around, which is fascinating. (laughs) Um, But I I mean, there there are a few different approaches and models for pop ups that we see. And I know you've referred to product launches, product drops, partnerships, um, just general brand awareness um, initiatives. I know there's some variance, right, in terms of, you know, what to think about while planning and ideating, but um, what can retailers do to start to think about this critically and determine what approach or model is right for them, especially during the holidays, because I feel like that's where you can kind of push your creative boundaries a little bit more. You can test something a little bit out of the box. Um, Wondering if you have any particular thoughts on that. Yes. I, I mean, I think it always comes back to your ultimate goals, right? I mean, I think that that needs to inform everything. So is it, are you trying to get through inventory? Are you introducing something new? What are you looking to test? I mean, really have to, as a company, understand that. I think that that's the best way to think through the next steps. You don't want to make decisions based on what you see other people doing out there and think because it worked for them and be really cool for you. It wouldn't, you know, like that, that relevancy of what your ultimate goals are is really important. So Regardless, though, I think storytelling is something that you'd want to think through. But again, um, is it a story about a particular product line? Is it the story about a collaboration, to your point? Is it a story about, um, you know, here's my recommended holiday wish list and, you know, really inspire everybody about all the reasons to shop the products on your wish list? So if you can determine what the goals are as, as, as like, number one thing you figure out, then I think it will inform a lot of the other decisions going forward. Got it. And are there any planning faux pas that you've seen over the years? I mean, is it that point that you brought up about, you know, just trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, (laughs) and just trying to copy your competitors? Yeah, I mean, that's a really tricky thing. I think you can always be inspired, and I think everybody is inspired by what's out there, right? Where, like, it's to the point of Instagrammable moments. Like, it's everything is socially shared and out there, and, you know, everybody's looking on Pinterest and Instagram for inspiration. So there's always going to be a little bit that you, you know, get inspired by here and there. Could be your competitor. Could be a totally different industry that inspires you. But you have to make sure that everything makes sense in context to you as a company, to to the, to your brand story, to the products that you sell, to your goals. I can't tell you how many people called the office this year and say, we want to be the Museum of Ice Cream. 
and then there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of things to that. Like that's a great thing. It's 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 really experiential, and people have a ton of fun, and it has a ton of amplification again across socials. It's also um, they just became kind of a brand with ice cream, right? They weren't selling a product before. You, you, you know, a lot of our clients are, or people underestimate the budget that goes behind that. You know, these aren't, this is, you know, close to million dollar budgets, right? And then there's a whole ticketing aspect and the average footprint of those stores are like 10 to 12,000 feet. So it, 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 it ta- it's a lot of different elements that make that work that might not be 100% in line with what you as a brand want to do. That said, there's aspects of it you can be inspired by and figure out are there aspects, what about that inspired you and how you can weave those aspects into your store design and experience. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I know the Museum of Ice Cream got a, a ton of buzz. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm sure celebrities attending and taking pictures helped in that. But there's also um, a, a lot of installations popping up in New York City, like oh, the Rosé sure. Mansion. Um, and, you know, that was a lot of fun. But you think about the planning implications, right? So every room is a different um, vignette or setup, you know, so people right. can take pictures. But then there's also product or samples aligned to each. And, you know, how can you ensure each touch point is memorable? and seamless for the the end consumer and I feel like there are a lot of planning nuances that you know some some folks don't necessarily take into account when they say oh let's do a pop-up I mean is there anything else that we've missed you know from a planning standpoint that retailers should be thinking about you know whether it's tech or you you brought brought up inventory anything else that you think is really critical yeah I mean from the start they should Think of the goals and then answer some of those questions you mentioned. Are we going to have inventory in the store? Is it going to be a shoppable showroom? Uh, How many SKUs? Which SKUs? Um, I mean, this all might sound obvious, but a lot of of people decide to do a pop-up and they don't have those questions answered. Um, What, where makes sense? right? Um, just because it's New York, I mean, New York has a lot of neighborhoods. So is it Soho? Is it Midtown? Where's your shopper? Where are they today? What's going to be the most convenient to them? Is it going at lunch? Is it after work? If you open in Soho and they all your core demo works in Midtown, are they going to make it down there? Um, you know, there's certain pockets like Flatiron have strong foot traffic seven days a week because you get the residential and the business crowd throughout the week. So you really want to think through a lot of those elements. And before deciding the footprint that you need, you really need to understand what you're going to do in the space, what you're going to sell in the space. Are you going to be hosting events in the space? Is it going to be a space that has to be able to flex up for those uh, those days where you do host events? Um, do you have certain electric needs and plumbing needs? Like there's a lot of the kind of, I guess, non-sexy elements and logistical mm-hmm. uh, aspects that you have to think through before deciding, well, you know, what type of space is going to make sense for me. And then the aesthetic of the space itself is, is, is important um, because that's all part of your storytelling. So, you know, the fa- everything from the facade to, you know, the internal does it need high ceilings and feel like a loft? Should it feel more rustic? Um, so it's like as much as you can do your homework up front to really understand your goals and the picture you want to create and the experience, then then the, the next steps follow. And I feel like a lot of people skip that homework assignment first and they jump into, you know, coming to the conclusions um, that aren't really tied back to answering those questions to begin with. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And, and answering those questions, that seems to be the key to closing the loop, so to speak, and being able to appropriately tie 
the tactics to the results or, or prove the impact, I guess, because, you know, everyone's Correct. talking about what, what's the impact on revenue, right? What's the value of the investment? So that, that seems to be the full cycle that they need to go through. Yes, everybody's trying to figure out ROI all the time. And we always say, you know, ROI isn't about the sales during the four walls for the duration of the pop-up. It's it's really understanding the lift uh, across, uh, you know, for the next one to two quarters. And it's not just the sales that happen. It's, you know, you want to do some comparison analytics between in store, what was the uh, most common skew that sold versus online? Did it have a? Uh, did you have higher cart sizes? Were there more items per cart on average? You know, how did website traffic to that geography differ from before you opened doors till after you opened the doors? Did you unlock super consumers, people that are going to spend more, come back more frequently, return less? Like, there's a ton of information that you can learn from from the pop-up store. And then also through socials, if you have those moments and it doesn't need a hashtag, you can track conversations that are happening. What Which channels are they posting on the most frequently? And maybe you identify some, you know, micro-influencers to develop a relationship with. Or what kind of language do they use around the store? What products do they post the most often? So it's a ton of opportunity to get both qualitative and quantitative ROI out of it. That's great. Yeah, so some some folks listening to this right now may be thinking, wow, this is a lot I need to think about, and maybe I'm <laughs> not quite ready yet for this holiday season, which is totally fine. But to that end, you have such experience designing these um, incredible journeys and um, interactions for brands and, and customers. Um, what should retailers be thinking about, or what could they do if, um, you know, they d- – decide not to do a pop-up, what can they do to add surprise and delight to their existing stores? I mean, we've talked about a few little things mm-hmm. already, but any actionable takeaways that they can, you know, possibly put into action as soon as possible? Yes. I mean, I think pop-in shops and in-store events are still really impactful if they're done well. I mean, really take the time to think through a, a filter of what those events uh, partnership should look like, making sure that they're on brand to you, they're complementary to the story that you're telling, your value proposition, the products that you're selling, but they don't compete. Make sure that you're really talking to your partners to make sure that there's a clear understanding of the co-marketing responsibilities. Um, and then, yeah, just really think like what's going to be the most useful to to my my customer. What's going to resonate with them, you, you know? Um, or you could do things like complimentary gift wrapping or 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 um you know i've seen it depends on the product that you sell but i've seen everything from you know complimentary yoga mornings to flower making classes to you know holiday card decorating i mean just keep in mind who exactly you're targeting and talking to and what would make the most sense to them and i think that that'll go a long way and them appreciating what you're hosting in store and it feeling relevant and special to them. Well, it definitely seems like now more than ever, especially during the holiday season, the devil's really in the details. But I, I think you gave our listeners a lot of inspiration, a lot of ideas to hopefully get their uh, creative juices flowing. <laughs> um, Melissa, before we let you go, anything else that you want to share in terms of tips, best practices, friendly reminders for this holiday season? Sure, yeah. I mean, the holidays is a great opportunity, but it's super competitive. So make sure that you do have a messaging strategy and a marketing strategy in place if you do open a pop-up store. So I would say especially during holiday season, people really appreciate informed in-store associates. 
uh, we can, you know, learn anything online. And so they should be just a level above that and, and, and being knowledgeable and helpful to customers that are walking in the door. Great, Melissa. Well, thanks again so much for taking the time out to chat with me today. Again, a lot of really actionable insights, some great words of inspiration. So um, hopefully this will get people moving and um, we'll be seeing some great uh, in-store experiences this holiday season. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Holiday Insights Series. Our conversation today only scratches the surface of all the opportunities retailers have to surprise and delight customers during this magical time of year. And if you're looking for more holiday insights, just visit our podcast hub or the Salesforce holiday resource page, which are linked in the show notes.